You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show. The place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of the Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 317 of the Assembly Call and episode 26 of Assembly Call Radio, which we are recording on the evening of Thursday, May 4th, 2017. So as you can see, this is Andy Bottoms, and I'm going to be your host for this edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each Friday we break down the most important IU basketball stories in the past seven days. You can find us right here every week. And of course, once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game. And I know most of us cannot wait until that point of the season is actually here. Uh, but you can catch us on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, or you can watch us live at assemblycall.com or on YouTube Live and uh, plan to do Facebook Live as we get ready for this upcoming season. And if you happen to miss one of those shows, you can always listen to the podcast, search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and more, and you'll find us. So Jared Morris, your normal host, has the week off, and uh, as Ryan and I typically joke, this is our regular reminder of just how valuable he is as we try to muddle our way through this without him, so hopefully we will uh, do him proud uh, in his absence, and uh, you know, even without him, we want to still uh, you know, pay homage to him and keep with his opening segment of the show. Uh, and begin this one how we always begin with our Who's Your Proud Banner moment. And, and so for me, you know, ever since Archie was named the coach, it, it feels like the news cycle has gone pretty much nonstop. We've learned more about his coaching philosophy. Uh, we've been introduced to the staff at, at pretty great length a couple weeks ago. Uh, and we've kind of hung on every word from the recruiting trail as we've seen the inside out uh, recruiting plan get put into action. Uh, we've seen him re-recruit the existing players and have started to watch the roster take shape. It's mostly uh, at least at this point for the upcoming season. So, uh, you know, this week actually, by comparison to some of the others, felt a little light. Um, the recruiting, uh, you know, kind of the open period to watch recruits ended up over the weekend. So there's a little bit less news on that front. But there was one big story, and, and that's where I wanted to go with the banner moment. Uh, to be fair, I'm not sure how exactly I would tie this into IU being closer to hanging a banner, other than uh, it gets IU closer to having a, a valid roster uh, for the upcoming season. But that was with Thomas Bryant, uh, you know, deciding to sign with an agent this week. And, you know, uh, I think there's been a lot of discussion about this. People certainly have their opinions about whether this was a good or bad decision for Thomas. Uh, I guess from my perspective, uh, I'll at least look at what he brought to IU over these last couple of seasons. Uh, the things that we'll remember about him from an enthusiasm standpoint, uh, watching him really develop uh, his outside shot uh, and, and really just, you know, be the, the barometer, kind of the emotional barometer, I guess, for the team and how they've been over the last couple of years. 
Uh, as you watch some of the breakdowns of him, you, you see him run the floor and some of the great things he could do from that perspective. Uh, you know, certainly the game against Kentucky in the tournament uh, a season ago is one that will always be uh, really well thought of and well remembered from Thomas. And, uh, you know, certainly I, I think on behalf of all IU fans, wish him nothing but the best as he uh, moves forward with his uh, invite to the uh, to the Combine, uh, which is in Chicago starting either this weekend or next week. And certainly uh, wish him the best. I think he's a guy who, at least from a just personality standpoint, I think will uh, will fare well during the interview process of things. And certainly uh, physically, you know, his wingspan uh, is going to serve him well. And so I think a lot of things to like about him and, and really interested to see, you know, maybe for different reasons, uh, but similar to what we've kind of watched uh, from a year ago with Yogi and Troy leaving and uh, and finding a way to make their mark in the NBA just over the fir- course of the first season. Uh, you know, just really looking forward to see how he, he responds and uh, want to thank him for his time as a Hoosier, and he will certainly always be one in our eyes. And with that, I'd like to introduce my esteemed co-host. Uh, Ryan is back. Uh, Ryan and I, this is the off-season, if you haven't noticed, is when we tried not to be on the show at the same time, try to fuel any banter that we actually don't like each other, uh, which I can assure you is not true. Um, Wait. And- it's just banter. It's not true. Uh, well, I mean, that's what we have to tell people so that they, you oh, know. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'll go back into my. Yeah. My yeah. Quite done. Um, so anyway, no. I so Ryan is back, and I, I do not have a, uh, a an intro for Ryan filled with uh, you know Chargers or Padres. Actually, I can't use the Chargers anymore. That's that's off limits. Uh, Padres Who? or Who's USC. Uh, you know, any kind of USC things. But did uh, you know want to you know kind of share with everybody something. Fairly scary happened in Ryan's, you know, immediate neighborhood, actually. And the, the shooting that took place over the weekend in California and San Diego uh, was actually in Ryan's complex. So I think I speak for all of us, Ryan, when I say we were all glad to see uh, and hear that you were OK during, uh, you know, what was a, a scary situation, certainly unexpected from your standpoint. So glad to have you tonight. I'm sure it's been a, a crazy week. So hopefully uh, for you, like for a lot of other people talking about IU basketball for the next you know, 45 minutes to an hour, uh, will be a, a good uh, release for you and, and kind of a distraction from what's uh, certainly been a, an odd week for you, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I'm just going to forego my normal rant this week. Um, and don't worry, nobody, anybody out there, I'm not going into politics. I'm not going to talk gun control. I'm not going to do anything like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, the mass shooting in San Diego happened about 400 yards from my apartment. Um, I was home when it happened. Uh, and those of you who follow me on Twitter, you know, got a lot of what was going on because I, I tried to document it as best as possible and, and help the police get people into their apartments and things like that. Um but I, I, what I want to say, and I, I do want to make a statement, I guess, and, and that's um, I, just be nice to each other. I, I mean, it, it, I know realize we're in a very like politically charged time and people don't like each other because of, of certain things. Um, I just ask you, if you're a fan of this show, if you're a fan of, of what we do here, if you're a fan of me um, – you know what? Go out this weekend and, and do something nice for somebody you wouldn't normally. If you have a if you have a neighbor you don't necessarily like, go over, shake his hand, and ask him how he is. If if you have a you know uh, an old high school friend on Twitter who you argue with politics all the time and can't stand, you know, send him a note, ask him how his family is. Um, you know, just do something nice for somebody you wouldn't normally because I, I think the world needs more of that and um, life's too short. Man, I mean, I, you know, one of my neighbors was shot and did not come home from the hospital this week. Um, she's never coming home. And, and and six others' lives have been completely changed as a result of this. Um, life's too short for us to just beat each other's throats and be arguing. And um, I know you don't tune in to this show to hear me talk about things like this, but this will be the last. I'll, I'll discuss it and we'll get back to basketball. Um, but I would just implore you guys, if you're out there, be nice to each other. 
uh, you know, and do something nice for somebody you wouldn't normally. Uh, that kind of stuff can go a long way and, and um, can really help bridge some, bridge some pretty serious divides we've got here. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for all the uh, reaching out you did on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and uh, through email, and I really appreciated it. Uh, I'm fine, but uh, I, I would say just take care of each other. And that's all I'm going to say about it, and uh, we'll get on to the Hoosiers, which is the reason you listen to this show. All right, well said, Ryan. And like I said, glad to hear you're uh, glad to hear you're all right, and, and excited to spend some time with you. And, I also uh, want to say uh, Andy was one of the first people to reach out via text, so uh, I think he he is. I am growing on him a little bit. I think he does like me. Uh, Jared also was there from the beginning. Uh, the three of us are uh, our buddies, regardless of any uh, ribbing we give each other. I know somebody reached out and and was wondering if you guys actually liked me because of some of the uh, some of the jokes you drop. But I'm a big boy. I can take it. Uh, we give each other a little bit of garbage here and there, but uh, it's all in good fun. Hey, look, our, the Twitter picture on the assembly call profile is one of you choking me. So to be fair, if there's any of us who thinks that one doesn't like the other, it could be the other way around. Hey, you be, know what? It was a moment of passion. It was <laughs> be that as it may. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, we're good. We're good. All right. So, you know, as I said, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, you know, in our headline segment, we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about the Thomas Bryant decision. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of recruiting updates with uh, a couple non-Indiana notes uh, on that front, one with a name that is will be familiar to uh, to all IU fans. And then lastly, some news came out today about the Big Ten schedule. So while the schedule itself hasn't been released, um, basically talked a little bit about how they're going to deal with having the uh, the conference tournament a week early next week. So we're going to hit that a little bit. I know Ryan and I both are uh, are fairly against that. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions from Twitter again that we'll hit. And, uh, and hopefully if we've got time, we're going to touch on Juwan Morgan uh, a bit more in the end based on some comments that uh, Sam Bassini of the Sporting News made on this week's podcast on the brink. Uh, about Juwan that I thought were really interesting, and I, and I think um, you know one of the players that we're all really excited to think about as we head into next season. Uh, but first, let's uh, have a quick word about this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, NBA, playoff, NBA playoffs are in full swing. You've got uh, a, you know fracas, uh, if you will, in the uh, Washington-Boston game earlier. So those are in full swing. Uh, the NHL playoffs are going. Uh, baseball has gotten started, and so uh, SeatGeek for you is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game. With their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And the SeatGeek app on my phone, by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. Uh, so I'm looking to go for a Reds game here in Cincinnati for myself, um, and that's always the first place that I'm going to go and uh, look for tickets, which there should be plenty available based on how I assume the Reds are going to play over the remainder of the season. Uh, but I can be anywhere, and in just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Uh, and so SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. doesn't end with sports. also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available as well. And best of all, listeners here get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ASSEMBLY today. Again, that's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call Radio. I am here... I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and uh, and Ryan, I want to talk a little bit more about Thomas Bryant, and and not necessarily about him directly, but more about some of the criticism that I think we've seen from fans, even in response uh, to asking for Twitter questions for the the, uh, the show tonight. There were some people that have kind of said, you know, he shouldn't go, he might not get drafted. Um, I find that interesting, if for no other reason than two guys who are in this program went undrafted last year and made an impact in the NBA this year. Uh, in Yogi and Troy. So I find the criticism kind of odd on a variety of levels, but what's your, 
you know, maybe maybe put best one of the one of the Twitter questions came from Michael. He said, "Can you explain how fans bash and insult teenage and twenty year old guys who decided to go to the next level?" It infuriates me. Well, I probably fall in that same category, but Ryan. Uh, where do you kind of come down on some of the things that, you know, you, like all of us, have probably heard people say in response to uh, the news that Thomas is going pro? Uh, support Hoosiers. I mean, support them in every – listen, it, at the beginning of the year, we all expected Thomas Bryant to go pro at the end of this year. So – and you all expected OG Ananobi to go pro and potentially James Blackman Jr. And guess what? That's where we are. I know the season wasn't successful, but those guys are still going to be – where we thought they were at the beginning of the year, and that's in the NBA draft. Um, Thomas maybe had some more developing to do, both from a maturity standpoint and you know physically and and um, you know with his game. I get that sentiment from Hoosier fans, but this is a guy who could have gone out after his first year and, and stuck around to try and do something his second year. It didn't work out, but you know we were lucky to get him a second year as, as Hoosier fans. So I, I'm completely supportive. This is a decision you have to know. He's making it for his family. He, there's so many considerations. It's not just a, I don't want to play for Archie Miller or a, I don't want to be at Indiana anymore decision. This is a, hey, you know what? I was selfish for, you know, in a positive way. I was selfish in coming back and giving up money last year uh, when he certainly would have been a mid-first-round pick. I think everybody was was barreling towards that. I think every projection had him in the middle of the first round. He came back because he rightfully thought he had a lot to work on and he really enjoyed his time at Indiana. That was selfish as far as it goes for, you know, what he could have done for his family. And I don't mean selfish in a negative way. I mean he was thinking of himself and, and what he wanted to accomplish. Um, and so he came back. And his draft stock dropped. He didn't have a great year compared to where he was projected to be. Certainly not where I thought he would be. Uh, but you know what? Now he's done what he thinks is good for his family. He thinks that he can work his way into the draft and, and be selected. And he's seen his former teammates. Like you said, Yogi and, and Troy Williams have both had went undrafted. But with their work ethic, which they learned at IU, and with the development they had and the ability to get better, that they had under their belt uh, belts, they've wound up being successful. And and I think Thomas can do that. I think if you talk about the three, Thomas is the most you know likely to have a successful NBA career. Um, and I think he will. I think he'll get on a roster and he'll play. He's got things you can't teach. Size, that wingspan, his ability to run the floor. Um, if he develops into a better ball handler and he develops into a guy who can step out on the floor and hit shots with more consistency but doesn't make that his entire game and, and focuses on working in his post game, that's a guy who can be around the NBA for 10 years. Whether he's going to be a superstar, I don't know. But I, I, I think that he almost felt like he had to go now. Uh, because another year that was a down year, losing minutes to Deron Davis and, and maybe not having a great season, he may have been knocked down another peg and may not have gotten his shot. At this point, he looks like a second-round pick. Um, we'll see how he does at the Combine and shows off. Uh, but right now, it looks like he's going to be a second-round pick. And and I, I think he's you know he did what he thinks is best for himself and best for his family. And I don't know how you can hate on that. The guy gave two years to Indiana, and, and that was more than a lot of people expected when he signed up as a, as a recruit. Yeah, I think, you know, from a, and he certainly gave, you know, from a passion standpoint, all that he had to IU. And I think, uh, you know, I think it's, it's fair for, you know, we talked about this a lot during the season. I, you know, I, I think there were times we weren't happy with the, the, you know, kind of expecting him to take the leap, maybe no different than, than OG in that regard, where, you know, everybody kind of wanted him to, 
to make that jump. And he didn't make as big a jump. I think he certainly improved things year to year. I don't think he made as big a jump as people may have hoped. Um, but I still think there are reasons to believe that he can be successful in the NBA. And ultimately, that's well, his let's choice. Also remember, let's also remember he's a big guy who didn't have his point guard back. I mean, Yogi Ferrell and Troy Williams not being there made it a lot harder for everybody on offense. And I think it was those were two absences that people realized they'd be a big impact. They didn't realize how big an impact they'd have on the on the team as a whole on both ends of the floor. And additionally, you know what? Thomas is a young guy who's got a lot of time left to develop, and, and I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. He is he is really on the young side. I think it's one of the things that, that people can uh, lose sight of is just how young he really is overall. And so um, I think that that is another factor that NBA teams are going to look at and be excited by that, the you know, a guy that they can mold. So. Uh, I think, you know, again, we're going to talk a little bit more about him uh, as we uh, as we move forward here. But, uh, you know, I, I'm excited for him. Uh, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about what that means for IU and maybe a little bit more about his his overall, you know, draft stock and, and NBA prospects. But just want to kind of hit that part. You know, to me, it's uh, I'm in no position to criticize these kids. And I think he made a decision that was well informed based on the process now. Uh, certainly got an in, getting an invite to the combine is a good start to that. And, uh, and like I said in the opening, really wish him. Uh, nothing but the best, and so uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna be back here in a minute. We're gonna hit the headlines again. Uh, we're gonna talk some Thomas Bryant. We're gonna talk a little recruiting. We're gonna complain about Big Ten scheduling, and uh, we'll be back to talk about all that and more on the Assembly Call Radio when we come back in a minute. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here talking IU hoops with Ryan Phillips, and it's time for this week's headlines. So, one of these, uh, the first one in particular, was one we talked about uh, earlier on, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, Thomas Bryant's decision to sign with an agent and remain in the draft. And I think, you know, the big question that leaves from an IU perspective is one that uh, John sent to us on Twitter, uh, which was who will be the backup center? Juwan, Colin, will Clifton be ready? Because it can't be Priller, right? Uh, so Ryan, how do you uh, how do you answer the question of who IU's backup center is shaping up to be next season? Certainly, will be the Deron Davis show, uh, as we talked about between uh, you know between segments here. But uh, beyond Deron, who do you think really steps into that uh, that backup role in the front court? Well, I think you're going to have to see Juwan Morgan down there some. I think we've seen Colin Hartman sort of play in the post before uh, when the team goes a little smaller. Uh, remember, Archie Miller isn't a guy who's used a lot, who's had a lot of dominant uh, individual post players before. So he seems to, and, he's, and his teams have typically had good defensive ratings. So he's seemed to figure out ways around that. Uh, the pack line defense will certainly help with that. I mean, his style of defense uh, will certainly help as it it. it sort of clogs the middle with multiple defenders as opposed to just having it go one-on-one. Um, so, you know, that can compensate for a lack of size. Um, I think you're going to have to see Clifton more, though. He's extremely thin right now. I think you're going to have to see him uh, take some minutes at some point. Uh, I think ideally it would have been great if he was just basically fully developmental for a year uh, because I think that he's got a high ceiling, but I think he's got a long way to go before he can contribute in the Big Ten. As it is, he's got to get on campus and get lifting weights right now, get stronger, get bigger, because he is rail thin and he'll get pushed around at this point. Um, so, I, you know, I think there are guys in-house that'll, that'll have to uh, step up and 
and really contribute uh, in that position. But also, you know, look, hey, Tim Priller may have to see some time at times if, if Deron Davis gets into foul trouble, which we did see some last year. Uh, so I think that, uh, look, if the guy's on scholarship, you're going to have to use him. And, and and Tim, to his credit, when he played late in the season, when he played extended minutes late in the season, he didn't look too bad, uh, surprisingly. I'm not saying we need to hang our hat on that guy as our backup center, but, you know, if guys get in foul trouble, guys get injured, you may have to go that far into the bench. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of people will feel comfortable with that, but, you know, uh, you, you got to play with what you got. And, and so you'll have Colin Hartman, maybe Josh McRoberts uh, getting in there. Uh, sorry, Zach McRoberts getting in there uh, and, and getting in the mix, maybe uh, because they've got a little bit of size. Uh, but I think that it's pretty much going to be the Deron Davis show and you're going to pray that he doesn't get into foul trouble. And then after that, you're going to have to figure things out and, and it's going to be rough, especially with OG Ananobi, a guy who could play down there uh, gone. It's going to be Juwan Morgan and, and Deron Davis running things. Yeah. It'll be interesting for me to see, you know, how the, the Packland defense might keep Duran out of foul trouble by ideally, you know, you know, kind of packing in and, and making them shoot over top and, and not letting the ball get inside. That's one. Right. There'll be lots of help for him in, in that defense. So that's going to be important from that perspective. And I think the, the second is, you know, I think Cliff Marshall, the new uh, strength coach, his first uh, job one, I think, is going to be to find a way to put 20 pounds on Clifton Moore's frame so that he might be ready to go. But I do think, you know, Priller, as much as, you know, we kind of have joked about it, even Jared brought it up at one point last year where, you know, you know why couldn't or shouldn't this guy see minutes? In a scenario where he's being asked to play a very specific role, which is really what he was asked to do at the end of the season last year, he came in and did it fairly well uh, in a short period of time. Nobody's advocating that he gets 15 minutes a game. I would say shockingly well, not fairly well. Yeah, <laughs> I think we were all surprised. Yeah, true. I mean, and he's got, and to your point, I mean, he's got five fouls. So uh, if he uses those in eight minutes, then so be it. And, and we'll kind of move on from there. So I think it'll be interesting to see there. Um, you know, other quick thing on Bryant, just just what are your kind of thoughts on him looking forward to the NBA? I, I know uh, Jared and Alex Bozich had Sam Bassini from the Sporting News on podcast on the brink earlier this week. And, and he talked about, you know, the things you like are the motor, the wingspan, uh, his ability to step out and make shots. Uh, obviously, what scares you is the same thing that has scared IU fans from a defensive perspective um, and just his kind of lateral quickness and, and ability to really handle ball screens and things like that, I think is, is a big one. I think lower body strength is another. And, and even footwork, as you kind of, you know, compare him to Duran uh, in the post, you know, was something that really stood out how how advanced in some ways Duran seems to be and how, uh, you know, that's an area that Thomas, you know, needs to continue to develop. I mean, what, what, are you, what are your overall thoughts uh, on a guy like Thomas in the NBA? And maybe, you know, what, what kind of role do you see him fitting in uh, if he does make a roster? Well, he's I mean, he's definitely an upside play for a team because he's so young and he has that wingspan and he has that size. And when he's engaged defensively and and is moving his feet, uh, he certainly has the ability to defend. The problem is, yeah, there's issues there with 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 the 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 quickness and, uh, you know, side to side and, um, you know, recovery speed and, and maybe getting into a little bit getting too emotional and having that dominate what he does on the floor. I mean, that comes with maturity. And if a team can help him grow up 
and, and sort of baby him along, uh, I think they could get a good player. I think he's a rotation player in the NBA. I really do. Um, maybe not as a rookie, but I, I think that you're going to, you have a guy, when you have a guy with those physical gifts, you can't teach his length, his, you know, his uh, wingspan uh, and his ability to run the floor, his innate sense, his motor. You can't teach those things. Though he, those he just has. Um, but developing a pose, uh, um, uh, you know, some more post moves, uh, better, stronger finishing around the hoop, finishing through contact, which he's going to face in the NBA and not getting emotional about it and, and staying level headed. Those are things that a team can develop. I think he winds up on a roster next year. I don't know what his long-term prognosis is because I'm not sure what's, how much development is left in the tank and, and how much, a, a, an NBA team can develop that. Um, there's a lot of times where if you don't make an impact as a rookie in the NBA, they kind of forget forget about you and move on to the next guy. So you got to hope that he, and that that's happened to Noah Vonley. Yep. That's exactly who I was thinking of when you said that. And, you know, he, and, and that was one of the problems I had with him going out. Yeah. He got drafted in the top 10, but he got put on a team where he wasn't going to play immediately. It was going to be shuttled back and forth through the D league. And if you don't make an impact, they can forget about you. I mean, even if you were a first round pick, they can forget about you. That's the kind of league it is. They want results um, because every GM is on the clock immediately. Every coach is on the clock immediately. And so they're looking to win. Uh, so if Thomas can do some things to help a team win next year, I think his long-term future is secure. But we'll see if he gets that opportunity. It's going to be rough. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, coming out this year, it's a deep draft, and it's going to be rough to find a spot. All right, so recruiting, I kind of lumped a couple things together here for our second headline. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call, though, I should remind you. Uh, this is Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and talking about IU basketball. Uh, so a couple recruiting stories from non-Indiana players. I think that's been the big focus was, you know, the, the headway. Uh, that people think and hope, uh, you know, Coach Miller has been able to make uh, within the state. But a couple interesting, you know, guys that have uh, have really cropped up over the last few weeks. Uh, one of which is Trendon Watford. Uh, so Christian Watford's younger brother, six foot eight, was actually the runner up for Mr. Basketball in Alabama as a sophomore. Uh, he's currently ranked twelfth um, by twenty four seven in the class of two thousand and nineteen as a five star kid. Uh, interestingly enough, it came out that IU had not been previously, uh, involved in recruiting him with the prior staff. Now, part of that, I guess maybe is because his class is a couple years out, but did think that was kind of odd based on one, his experience with, you know, being to so at so many IU games to watch his brother and two, just the fact that, you know, his brother had been there. Um, so, you know, Alabama has been involved for a long time and the, and the family, uh, obviously lives there and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, Ryan, what's your, what's your quick scouting report? Uh, if you have one on on Trendon Watford and what uh, fans might think about when they when they think about him potentially coming to IU. Well, I like him as a player. He reminds me of his brother, honestly, uh, maybe a little uh, stronger version of his brother. I, it's so funny because I remember seeing Trendon on the floor after games when I would go to games when when Christian was there. He was there all the time. And, you know, with his big he had kind of big hair. And uh, but you could tell he was going to be a player. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I. I think this is a guy Indiana has to go hard after and uh, Archie Miller's really got to get himself involved with the family. Obviously it's a different coaching staff. This isn't the coaching staff he was visiting when he would come to Indiana. Um, I, I agree. I think it's odd that Indiana was involved with him. Uh, but you know, that's, that's in the past. That's something you can't worry about. You just got to go get 
the guy that you're going to get um, because he is a legacy at Indiana and, and he's a guy who certainly will listen because that's what his brother did. And his brother is for some reasons, a legend at Indiana uh, because of that big shot against Kentucky, because of the numbers he finished at the end of his career. I mean, that that's a guy who is a big name at, at Indiana and Indiana history. So I think you got to go get him. Uh, I don't have a full scouting report on him yet just because I haven't seen enough of him, but I, you know, from what I have seen, I love the kid's game. I love how aggressive it is. He is. And I, I love, um, you know, his ability to sort of do everything on the floor is a positive. And I'm sure if, if Indiana gets more involved in his recruitment uh, as, as time moves on, I'll get I'll get a full scouting report for him. But I really like what I've seen so far, uh, especially at his age. I mean, he's got a full year until he's got to make his college decision. So uh, over a full year before he's got to start looking into that. So I think that's it's a great start that Archie Miller has gotten involved with him. Yeah, and I think because he's a little bit further out, the fact that you know Archie got a later start with him is is less big of a deal than uh, some of the others. But um, the other guy I'll talk about quickly is Cole Swider. Uh, he had a really good performance in the EYBL event uh, over the weekend. I think finished uh, in the last game on Sunday, five of nine from three point range at twenty one points. So he's a six eight guy ranked outside the top one hundred uh, in the class of two thousand eighteen based on the last uh, twenty four or two four seven. Uh, rankings that I saw, but a guy who, you know, good size can really shoot it. Also a little bit of toughness to him, not just a uh, guy who's only going to play on the perimeter, but uh, has a really good looking shot. Recently narrowed his list to eight schools. IU was one of them, despite getting involved uh, relatively late in the recruitment. Uh, any any quick thoughts on uh, on Swider? Yeah, I mean, a Barrington, Rhode Island guy. That's not exactly a basketball hotbed, typically, Rhode Island, but uh no, I really like his jump shot. I mean, that that's I think the the what you're getting with him is is a great jumper. Um, but you're also getting a guy at at, at six eight and two hundred ten pounds who's pretty built already. I mean, consider he's going to put on weight this year, next year. I think he could probably wind up playing at, at a more solid two twenty five. Um, you know, some of that two ten obviously isn't perfect weight, but uh, some some better weight uh, put on him in a, in a weight program. Uh, everybody seems to think he's going to Xavier. They've been in on him, you know, almost from the beginning. Um, but Indiana's got a chance cause they're in the, uh, they're in the mix. And, um, you know, I, I like the way he plays and the fact that he's playing so well against great competition bodes well for him. I'm sure he'll make a jump in the rankings. Uh, he was one of the more impressive kids early on. I also like the way he defends. Uh, but this is a kid with a pure jump shot, uh, mid range, long range. It doesn't matter. Um, he's got to work on being stronger finishing, not unusual for a guy at his age. Uh, but I think that this is a guy who has a lot of talent on both ends of the floor. And, and you can tell why Archie Miller's such a fan. He's clearly going after him. And, and uh, you know, Swider has, has said that Archie Miller has talked to him about being the centerpiece of next year's class. And uh, based on what I saw from the highlights of, his, of the uh, EYBL, uh, that's not shocking to me. Uh, that seems like a guy who, uh, you know, who, who could be the centerpiece because of how well he plays an all-around game. All right, so the last headline that I had actually came out today, and it's about the Big Ten schedule. Not that the Big Ten schedule itself has been released, um, but uh, some some logistical things. So uh, for those that don't know, the Big Ten is having uh, the Big Ten tournament next year at Madison Square Garden in New York uh, because of the presence of Rutgers and uh, whatever whatever other grand plans Jim Delaney has to uh, to turn the Big Apple into say the it's Big for Ten. Dumb reasons. That's why. You well, it's for it's money, money, but that's you know neither here nor there. Anyway, so yeah, for reasons that I probably am not excited about, but um, it probably for similar reasons that it was in DC this year. 
Uh, but anyway, so so the problem with that is that other leagues, uh, the Big East in particular, also has their conference tournament uh, in Madison Square Garden, as they typically do, which means that they can't both be there at the same time, which means that the Big Ten is going to be it, – it will wrap up. The championship game will be a week before Selection Sunday as opposed to being you know one of the last games, which it usually is. And so what that does is present some logistical challenges, and I'll read this from uh, NBC Sports College Basketball Talks post on this. So in order to make that timing work, the conference will essentially have to eliminate a week of league play. To make that a reality, the Big Ten has decided that each member of the league will play a home game and a road game the first weekend of December. They'll play either Friday, Sunday, or Saturday, Monday, depending on when and where they play an ACC Big Ten Challenge game. That event will be held on the Tuesday and Wednesday prior to the start of Big Ten play. In other words, during the final week of November and the first week of December, which will be three weeks after the start of college basketball season and upwards of a month before any high major conference starts their league play, the Big Ten will force teams to play one of their most important non-conference games and their first two league games within the span of six or seven days. Uh, so, Ryan, um, I don't need probably to tee this up very much for you. Uh, why don't you give your thoughts about uh, early season conference games uh, and the Big Ten having the tournament in New York at all? Games should not conference games should not be played in December. I have long been a proponent of that, uh, especially like the middle and end of December when students aren't on campus. Those are the most dead, boring conference games ever. There's no juice in the arenas. I mean, it's it's unbelievably dumb to do this by the Big Ten. You're ruining the product. Uh, and then nobody in New York cares about the Big Ten. They don't care. Rutgers is not going to bring a packed house to the Big Ten tournament. They're going to be gone after one round anyway. So I I don't know. I, this is just, I mean, this is like scheduling every Saturday game for noon Eastern. Like, do you want a bad product? Do you really want that? Uh, early December conference games is it has to be one of the dumbest ideas Jim Delaney's had. And that is saying a lot. Uh, so I, I just... I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they expect this to be successful. January is when conference season is supposed to start. I realize games, because conferences are bigger, are bleeding into the last week of December, and I think it's awful. January is when the Big Ten starts. It's when the Big Ten has always traditionally started. Uh, You occasionally will get a game on uh, New Year's Eve or something like that, but for the most part, January is when conference season starts, and now this is atrocious. Just so you can have the tournament in New York and appease people who don't even care to be appeased. I, I, I don't get it, and I think this is moronic. The The Big Ten tournament should be in the heart of Big Ten territory, which is Chicago or Indianapolis every year. Nobody was complaining about not having the tournament there or or, or about having the tournament there. That was central to everybody. You got a lot of fans in there. Now you're doing it in D.C., which isn't close to anybody but Maryland. You're doing it in New York, which isn't close to anybody but Rutgers. I mean, it's so stupid. And it's just to reach out to two fan bases who are, by comparison to the rest of the league, minuscule so i think this is uh, just another horrible move by the big 10 and it's dumb and they should cut it as soon as they can yeah i i would agree i don't really have a lot to add I, the other the only thing i would add though is this isn't going to stop those early season conference games those other conference games from being in the december time period when students are there and iu as an example last year i think they had three at least two maybe three home games when students weren't even on campus and, and obviously the atmosphere um both gives, you know, the home team, you know, an advantage in the cases where the students are there, but just makes for a better atmosphere for people to watch on TV and any place else. And so you're kind of doing a whole lot of things that really diminish 
the overall atmosphere and product uh, in the name of, you know, trying to expand East sure money's involved as, as it always is with these things. But uh, yeah, I just struggle to believe that this is a great idea and, and we probably could rain on this for a little bit longer, but we'll, uh, we'll stop ourselves. We'll exercise some self-control in Jared's absence and, uh, and stop ourselves from that. But uh, as we, uh, as we look ahead to what we will have next, uh, we're going to turn our attention to your questions. So you asked via Twitter and Facebook, we're going to answer those. Uh, that's next on the assembly call. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the assembly call. This is your host, Andy Bottoms with Ryan Phillips. And, uh, you know, remember, uh, go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. Get our weekly six banner Saturday news roundup, plus our post game analysis emails the morning after every IU game. You have to be a member to get them. And the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. Uh, so we're here talking IU basketball and, and wanted to hit some questions as we've done these last few weeks and, uh, got a, got a pretty good, influx of uh of questions via twitter so uh we're gonna try to take these one we'll each take one and then give the other a quick chance to to rebut uh if there's a need to do so so first question is from craig uh predict ken palm's adjusted offense and adjusted defense rankings for next year's team stay in the top 25 for offense can the team crack the top 25 for defense uh, you know, I'm going to go top 40 for both. How about that? Uh, I, I know it's kind of a punt on the, on the, on the question there a little bit, but, uh, Archie Miller's teams tend to be in the top 40 of each, uh, or at least on the verge of that. I think it may, you may see a little drop in offensive efficiency as they learn a new system. That's going to affect the entire season. I mean, you're going to see them getting into it early, so it may be rough going early on as it is anytime there's a new change of system. Um, but I think also they'll smooth it out towards the end and be better, but overall that that'll count. So, um, I, I would say top 40 for both. I think the defense is going to be wildly improved, uh, just based on the system he's bringing in based on the players who will be coming back and, and the way he teaches defense and the assistant coaches he brought in. So I would say top 40 for both. Uh, do you have any, uh, any any thoughts on the matter, Andy? Do you think one will be better than the other? Uh, I, you know, I could see the defense making a move just because that's what you know Archie has been known for, um, and I can see the offense taking a slide back. I mean, t- at this point, it, you know, certainly if James Blackman Jr. doesn't come back, I, I think there could be some questions um, on offense. I think they certainly want to get out and run. Maybe that helps uh, cover up some blemishes. But we've talked about you know if he leaves, is a really a go to scorer? Um, so I think that could bog the offense down a little bit at times. So um, I, I think. There's a, a fair chance for the offense uh, to regress a little bit, whether that pushes them outside the top 25. I think that's possible. Um, but I also think, you know, if he installs a system defensively, I think the the athletes are there to make it work. So I'll give the defense a chance to crack the top 25. Uh, this question comes from at Assembly Call. How would you compare Robert Johnson to a former Hoosier like, say, Greg Graham? So, uh, you know, Jared's presence uh, via his own question here uh, is certainly felt on the show. Uh, we have done this quite a bit with, well, Jared has done this frequently where he's compared a number of players to Greg Graham. Uh, Robert Johnson appeared to be on that trajectory, kind of took a little bit of a step back from that last year. Uh, so I'm not sure he's quite at the Greg Graham level yet. Um, also has really filled out his frame uh, from a you know physique standpoint in a way that uh, Greg Graham was always kind of wiry uh, and was not able to do. Uh, but we did see a, a recruit whose name is escaping me at the moment uh, compared to Greg Graham this week on the Peaks podcast. So uh, you know, Greg Graham clearly at the top of many people's minds, not just Jared's. So uh, I don't know that Robert Johnson at this point compares favorably, 
Um, but a fair question, and we hope to uh, you know make a, you know a weekly occurrence of uh, trying to compare somebody to Greg Graham. So this is step one in that process. You know, Andy, in denying that Robert Johnson is the next Greg Graham, uh, you may wind up being fired for that. that uh, is, just to let you know, Jared Jared does have veto power over the roster here, so uh, possible. I, at least possible. I think he does. So it's it's possible you may be endangered. I'll speak up for you, but I can only do so much, yeah. man. Well, if we talk about kind of like spindly guys who are you know who have some athleticism, maybe Curtis Jones is more of a Jones, like kind of look like, look alike from a you know a Greg Graham perspective, just from a, a physical standpoint. So we'll see. Uh, all right, this question from Nate. Which player on next year's team will benefit most from a more structured offense? Who do you like for that one? Jeez, oh, that's, a, that's a great question, actually, Nate. Congratulations. You had the best question of the week. Um, and yes, Jared, you do not count for having <laughs> the best question of the week. Um, I would say I, I think that it's going to be Juwan Morgan because I think they're going to find ways to get him the ball in places where he can succeed, where I thought he was floating a lot last year, um, you know, out between perimeter and post and all that stuff. I think Archie Miller, his offense is more structured, and I think he's going to find a way to get Juwan Morgan the ball in better positions where he's not just standing outside the three-point line and maybe shooting uh, i think they'll get a lot of they'll work on his ball handling obviously he's been a better ball handler than guys his size usually uh, but i think that they'll get ways they'll find ways to get him in pick and roll situations with the ron davis you've got a lot of size there you'll have a lot of you know big to big passing going on uh, and i think you'll also see him you know start to drive on his own and get to the get to the hoop i think that uh robert johnson could also benefit from the same thing uh from having uh, you know the offense get him to positions where he has better looks at the basket that he wasn't getting last year um, particularly from the outside um, you saw his shooting go in and out uh, and as most of the team did this past year so I think that he will benefit from from you know an offense that will more uh, align with his talents and possibly get him into places where he can succeed better than sort of the different uh, way that Tom Crean ran things so what do you think Andy I mean is there a guy you've got specifically targeted I think Robert Johnson becomes interesting here. We talked about last year, he kind of struggled to figure out what his role really was on the team. Um, And so I think that, and I don't know that it has much to do with structured offense, just, but in terms of like fewer, you know, big time mouths to feed on offense. So I think he's a guy, uh, Juwan would have been the other one that came to mind, but I I think Robert Johnson for me uh, is that guy. So you're listening to the assembly call. Um, Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And remember you can join us, after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. Uh, so a few other uh, Twitter questions that we can kind of bang through here quickly. Um, Jeremy from Facebook, uh, at what point will we be able to say no one is transferring? If someone does and JBJ leaves, uh, will Coach Archie Miller pick up anyone else or save the scholarship? Um, I don't know if we can say that. I, I, I certainly won't feel comfortable saying nobody's transferring until we hear the news about Blackman. Um, we'll kind of see what happens there. I think if someone transfers and Blackman leaves, uh, I actually don't think Miller would, would use up the scholarship. He's a guy who at Dayton um, typically would not use up the full allotment. Uh, and I'm really not sure what's available out there. Um, they're already trying to recruit a lot. They're going to lose a lot of guys um, into next year with a, a pretty large senior class. So I would assume he would leave it open at that point. We're, we're pretty deep into the process uh, Ryan, you have a different view on that than I do, or, or do you think that's no, the way I, that'll go? I think it's more likely they look for a, for some kind of senior transfer uh, in the post or something like that if they are short uh, a spot. Uh, I don't think he goes and gets a you know 
a, a freshman uh, just because I think that at this point, you know, the recruiting ranks are pretty much all picked over and, and you're not going to get anybody who's going to make a real impact. You're almost filling a scholarship just to fill a scholarship. Um, I think also he knows he's going to have a bit of a grace period his first year where he's got to win, but he doesn't have to win a championship. And, and if you're short a guy, it, it's better than, you know, you're not going to find somebody who's going to put you over the top as a championship. It's better not wasting that scholarship if you've got a guy you believe in in the next class. So um, I think it does kind of hamstring you a little bit. And uh, I, I would expect if there is a senior transfer to be had, maybe they would go that route. Uh, but I don't see them adding uh, uh, another guy unless for some reason a really great player becomes available for for whatever reason. And uh, then you can maybe see that uh, somebody who's really going to have an impact. But I don't see that player available right now. I think it's just been hard for them really to even get involved with anybody because they were so far over to begin with. So what kind of serious conversations could you have even had to this point about that as a possibility? So, yeah, I, I tend to believe there's there's nothing there. Um, Badger Banker on Twitter. <laughs> Good. Not not planned, but a Wisconsin related question to Ryan. Uh, will Archie be able to beat the Badgers more than that over-caffeinated guy used to? <sighs> Don't make me I mean, think about Wisconsin tough, right it's, now. It's, it's a little a bit tough beat. to beat them really less, to be fair. So, um, I, I think that his system will lend itself to fitting against the Badgers more, especially with the pack line defense. Um, I, I think that it, it, he'll be able to fit his system against them much better than Tom Crean did with more of a wide open uh, offense. I think that he's, he's, he's got more structure and he's got better defense. So I think, uh, I think that's, there is a chance uh, that he's better. All right. So yeah, I I agree. Last one from Jonathan with no top recruits and losing so much is making the tournament, even a realistic expectation. Um, I would say, yes. I, I think when you look at some of the other turnover in the big 10, uh, certainly this roster is not one without talent. Um, so I think that's a realistic expectation. I don't know that I'm going to, you know, feel like it's a complete failure if they would not make it, but I think it's a reasonable expect- expectation. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I think it's an expectation. Absolutely. I think uh, they brought in a lot of talent last year. It didn't necessarily show up all the time on the court, but they brought in some good guys. They've got some great guys returning. Colin Hartman will be the leader they missed last year. Uh, Robert Johnson will hopefully develop into that. And Archie Miller will be a different guy. And so I don't think you can compare last year's team to what's going to happen with this year. Uh, I I believe that this is definitely going to be a tournament team. Um, I don't think there's any question about it right now, unless something crazy happens, I would say yes. All right. Well, that does it for the Twitter questions. We'll uh, hit some more next week as we go. And uh, so with that, we'll come up to our final segment where we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about Juwan Morgan. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here talking IU basketball with Ryan Phillips. And we've been doing player breakdowns as we've gone through. And this week seemed like a good week to hit uh, a guy that Ryan just talked about, uh, Juwan Morgan. And and so on this week's podcast on the brink, uh, Alex Bozich and Jared were talking to Sam Bassini um, from Sporting News about, you know, kind of upcoming guys to watch for in in the NBA from IU. And a guy that Sam brought up I thought was interesting was Juwan Morgan. And, And he was interested in him. Um, because of being a guy who has, you know, can do a lot of different things, has shown the ability to initiate offense, um, good offensive and defensive rebounding rate, solid block percentage, can defend a lot of different positions, shoots the ball well from the free throw line. Um, so a lot of things to like, maybe not great at any one thing in particular, um, but a guy with a really well-rounded game. So 
you know, Ryan, you, you touched on, on Juwan a bit uh, in the answer to one of the questions we had. But as you start looking forward to expectations for him in his junior season, which actually is kind of odd. I felt like he's been around a little bit longer than that. But, you know, what, what are your kind of baseline expectations for him as he's surely going to step into a larger role? Um, what, are, what are you expecting? Well, I, you know, it does seem like he's been here forever, but he was also committed for about a year before he stepped on campus. So I think that has a lot to do with it. He's been a part of IU for a long time. Um, I, I think he, the key for Juwan is just staying healthy. He hasn't stayed healthy for a long stretch. And, and so we don't really know what he can do long term. I think we've seen the talent there. And he's a guy who can play inside and out. He can play defense. He certainly is a great defender when he plays uh, consistently when he's on the floor. He's got a little sneaky athleticism. He's not a huge leaper but he's a guy with some athleticism, some quick twitch, you know, ability. Um, and he's bigger than people think he is. I mean, he's, he's a big guy who can do a lot of things and he can shoot from the outside as well. When he gets in rhythm, I, I think he shoots too many threes, but that's something he's got to work on this off season. Um, but no, I, I agree that I think that's the next guy. Uh, certainly that, that you have to look at in sort of an OG and an OB light scenario. He's a little bigger than OGs. He's not as long. He's not as quick, uh, I think. And he doesn't, necessarily have the defensive instincts he has good defensive instincts but ogs are off the charts um so i think that that's certainly the next guy who can do it a lot of things for you he's, he's a well-rounded guy uh, and i think that that's the guy i would be looking at if i was a scout at indiana uh deron davis would certainly be in there as well if you want a traditional post player and then you've got guys like Devonte green who has nba pedigree and, and curtis jones uh, who has the talent? He just has to show it and have it show up. So I, I agree. I think that, that Juwan is the guy, and and I expect him to be a guy who's going to average, you know, fifteen points and and grab you seven rebounds uh, if he can stay healthy and reach his potential. Yeah, you know, as I look at him statistically, you know, he made sixty five percent of his twos last year, which was good for fortieth in the nation. Um, and so, you know, his ability to finish around the rim, again, that se- that stat seems funny to me. I-, I felt like as a team, IU really struggled to finish around the rim, which I know is something we talked about. But, you know, his free throw rate was really good. Got, you know, got to the line 88 times and made 74% of them when he got there. Uh, so he was able to draw a lot of fouls. Also committed a, a decent number of fouls. And-, and again, as we talked about with Deron Davis, I think that's going to be uh, important for him. But but he's a he's the kind of guy to a certain extent that, um, you know, I think Miller has had success with a little bit undersized to play the power forward spot, which he will likely be asked to do, um, but can can give IU a chance to take advantage of some mismatches uh, as they go forward. So, you know, do you see him, Ryan, in our last you know minute here, do you see him, uh, you know, stepping into a starting role? One of our debates last year was whether he was better in the starting lineup or coming off the bench. So where do you see him fitting uh, in that regard? I think he starts this year at the four uh, next to Deron Davis in, in the front court. I think that he has to. I think that just with the the talent drain, he's going to have to do that. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I just think, um, you know, as you, as you look ahead, he's a guy that is going to need to be on the floor. I think to be able to do defensively what Miller's going to want to do on that end of the floor, I think he becomes extremely important uh, as we talked about. And I think because he can guard so many different positions, um, got good length and can really get out and, and challenge shots. So I think he's going to be, you know, a guy who really could make a leap. Um, and, and I think, you know, to a certain extent, if you look at him statistically last year, he was really able to do that maybe more than uh, we might give him credit for. Um, but because there were so many other guys, you know, everybody was looking at, I, I think that was a little bit different. So he's, he's certainly one to watch as we move forward. Uh, so that will do it for this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, 
Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of the Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. So thank you for listening. And on behalf of Ryan, uh, we, we appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you next week. Till then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. IBM Cloud offers millions of different server configurations with 20 terabytes of bandwidth cost-free. Get the compute power you need and deploy on demand, but at prices set for smart cost management. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers to customize your server today.